When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I truly believe that our circumstances are not the reasons that we can or can't achieve. They're just simply the parameters in which we must so the way I see it, if it's difficult, is to take extreme ownership and go, you have agency. What can you do? What can you make happen? Who can you help? Who can help you? What can you do to move forwards? Because you can either focus on the past circumstance or the situation, or you can focus on creating better for the future, but you can't do both. So you have to make a choice. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about giving you a pause to nurture and nourish your mind, body and soul. Each week I speak to world experts, authors, scientists and inspirational leaders to share their wisdom and advice so we can all live better from the inside out and reach our full potential. I hope you join me on the journey. This week, I'm speaking to Adrian London, an entrepreneur, motivational thought leader, international TEDx speaker, podcast host of The Power Hour, soon to be author of The Power Hour book when that launches in January. Really excited about that. She's a global fitness ambassador for Adidas and a director for innovation at the Fit app. Adrian inspires thousands daily to live a more active and healthy life. In this episode, we talk about how a power hour can transform your day, tips to build more useful habits, how to have more courage, and Adrian shares her advice to optimizing mindset and well-being. This episode is supported by a brand Adrian and I both use and love, Swiss Supplements, Australia's leading wellness brand. We are walking into the winter months and the world is pretty full on right now. So our stress levels could be rising and that impacts our immune system. So I really recommend taking a multivitamin and Swiss have a brilliant one. One of the many reasons I like this brand is how much I trust the quality of their supplements. They have been around for 50 years and create super high quality supplements to help energy, performance, immunity and beauty. They are available to buy across the UK and globally. You can use my code POPPY15 to get 15% off. I hope you enjoy. Let's get into this chat today. What is a favorite quote you return to often? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow, a quote that I return to often that I've shared in the book is you can do hard things. Now I say this to myself when I need it and I encourage others to take it, use it, own it. And basically it just means that instead of waiting for something to be easy or instead of thinking that when we've practiced something or rehearsed it or trained for it, that it's suddenly gonna be an easier thing to do. Sometimes things are just hard. So having a difficult conversation or running a marathon or asking for help, those things are hard, but you can do hard things. God, I love that. I I feel like that needs to be an artwork or kind of a poster of some description just to like be etched into your brain when it gets tough. Yeah, absolutely. One one, um, girl that listened to that on the podcast, she actually wrote it on her arm before running the Boston Marathon. And she said she just kept reminding herself, she was like, you can do hard things, you can do hard things. And it just made my day because I thought, you know, it's so simple, but so true. So powerful. What's a recent life lesson you've been reminded of? Wow, I think probably a lesson that I, many of us have been reminded of this year is that the small things really matter. I think all of the things that we sometimes, I'm someone who likes to plan and think ahead and I'll think about, you know, the big goals and, you know, next year and achievements and all of that. But this year's really taught me to value the here and now, to value the small joys, the small things, you know, having my hot croissant or dancing in the kitchen with my son, you know, the small things really, really matter. That's really lovely. And how do you define happiness? It's more of a feeling, I guess. It's a feeling when time escapes you and you don't notice. So when suddenly you realise, oh, it's been two hours and I've been doing this or been two hours and we've just been sitting here talking. That for me is when I'm at my happiest. So I want to go straight in to talk about the name of your podcast and the name of your book that's coming out in January. And I cannot wait to devour the pages because I know how hard you worked on it, the research and everything that's gone into it. But you call them all the power hour. What is a power hour and what led you to start thinking about this thing called the power hour? Yes, so I do call it the power hour and I feel like I've been talking about nothing else for so long, <laughs> but the power hour essentially is the first hour of your day. Now, for me, that's early. I'm an early riser. So for me, it's 5.30 to 6.30, but it doesn't have to be 5.30. It just has to be the first hour. So I encourage people to take that first hour to reclaim some time in this modern world that is going to take our time, energy and tension all day. There's so many things to distract us, so many things to, you know, we want to give our time and attention to so many things. But for me, I think starting the day with one hour that's really intentional, really focused, that's in solitude as well, you know, it's quiet, it's, it's less distraction from the world. And, and I, so starting the power hour way back four or five years ago was actually it's kind of out of necessity so I was training for my first ever marathon and my son was five years old so he was waking up about half past six and so I thought right if I'm going to train in the morning I'm going to go and do an hour run before he wakes up 
So it did start out of necessity, but over time it's just evolved and grown. And the impact that it had on my life was so, honestly, it was immeasurable. Everything from my mood to my energy to my creativity, you know, having that focused time to just be, as I say, in solitude and listen to my thoughts. And everyone, you know, saw the change. And, and so I started to really explore, okay, I know there's other people that talk about the miracle morning and the morning routine and how impactful it is, but I'd never really I don't know, until you try something and you really live it, I think you can't always, you know, reading something is one thing, but living it, it really, really had a huge impact on my life. So yeah, I thought, well, let me speak to other people. Let me find out what their morning routines are. Let me find out what other people do. And I, and I'm so, so fortunate that since I started the podcast, The Power Hour, I've welcomed so many amazing guests and I've reached out to people who I never imagined would say yes to coming and having you know an hour conversation and yes I've been able to speak to you know Olympic athletes best-selling authors doctors psychologists DJs you name it uh, footballers all sorts of people to kind of I guess get a real mixture from different industries from different ages and find out okay what is it really that motivates people to get up in the morning what makes people excited what are people striving towards what makes these high achievers uh, you know they're just normal human beings and so what do they do when they wake up in the morning so yeah it's, it's kind of grown and evolved and then as you said to, to today where I'm counting down the weeks until the book is out and available it's finished now it's you know it's off to print there's no more changes can be made <laughs> which is kind of scary but also super exciting and yeah there's as you said so much has gone into the book and basically it's just a toolkit that's how I describe it it's a toolkit for people to say okay if you want to start next year as we all probably do with some clear intention and focus on how to actually actually like actionable steps to achieving your goals because not everybody wants to run a marathon not everybody wants to start a business or write a book but I truly believe that everybody has something everybody has this potential inside them and they know they've got something they could do or give or create but they don't know where to start or they put it off and they think one day I'll get to that. And one day, you know, tomorrow stays tomorrow. So I really hope that with this book, it will help people to take action and to give them frameworks and tools and advice and sources from all these different people to say, look, this is what you really need to do to make those goals a reality and don't put it off. Start today, start with just one hour. So is there kind of the idea that if you, let's say, get up at seven normally, you're saying get up at six and have an hour that you wouldn't have otherwise had? Yeah, absolutely. I'm saying create some more time, reclaim your time. And the reason I say reclaim is because, you know, the word reclaim means to take back something that was previously yours that was lost or stolen. And I believe that's what's happening to us throughout the day now. It's like WhatsApps, emails, work commitments, kids, errands, things just stealing our time. So your time is actually yours. It starts off as yours. So if you start with that idea that, yeah, wind the clock back one hour, there's a few reasons why I think doing it in the morning and doing it first thing is so impactful. One is, as I said, you know, there's less distractions. People don't have an expectation of you to be available to them at that time. But also I think it's psychologically, I mean, I feel like it's a, it's like a prioritization. So if you think, oh, I want to do a yoga class or I want to maybe read 
more and you put it at the last thing on your to-do list at the end of the day when you've already given your time and energy to everyone else it's kind of saying well actually my needs come last whereas when you bump it up to the top and it's the first thing on the list it's saying come on like prioritize yourself prioritize you and it's not selfish it's not self-indulgent to say oh wow have a whole hour in the morning for yourself I think it's really essential now more than ever so what do you fill your hour up with and and does it change Yes, it does change. It does change. I, I, I like to think my power hour has like seasonality. So it's often movement. It's often either running or stretching or kind of Pilates. Like what, what I do on a mat is kind of just a bit of a hybrid of, of movement. But yeah, I do love to run in the morning. If it's not movement, if I'm not training or working out that day, then often it's journaling or reading. So again, I, I need that focus. Like I'm someone who's very easily distracted anyway so for me to really focus on reading if there's something I want to you know it's a book that I really want to get through then I will um yeah just pick that up at half past five I'll come downstairs and sit on my yellow chair which is my favorite place to sit and I'll just yeah just get into the book so and that's one of those things where the time flies and suddenly I'm like oh my gosh it's half past six already I've got to get on I've got you know dudes up or I've got to do school run or whatever but it can change and I think as well if, if anyone's listening thinking well sounds good but you know I don't really want to get up an hour earlier or mm. maybe they think you know I'm not a morning person or I'm a night owl or there's a few things you can kind of do and and you know it doesn't have to necessarily be an hour to start with so you know huge fan of micro steps you can start with maybe move your alarm clock back 20 minutes then maybe 30 45 and kind of ease your way in uh, or if you're someone like me who's quite all or nothing then just Let's go for that hour and give it a go and really commit, you know, make a decision and think, you know, in the morning at 25 past five or at 530 or whatever, you might not, you know, you're going to feel a bit of resistance. But I think when you make the decision the day before, like really commit, think, why do I want to get up earlier? What's that hour going to give me? Like think of it as a domino effect. What's it going to give me for the rest of the day and really have something clear. It can't be vague. If your goal is vague, then at 5.30, you are not going to want to get out of bed. So I think it has to be really, really focused, really clear, really tangible. And that use that as like an incentive or motivation or whatever. Um, And then start with, as I said, if it's 30 minutes, if it's 45, but just be intentional about what you're going to do in that time. So do you kind of advise writing a list before bed saying, okay, at five tomorrow morning, I can't wait to finish X, Y, Z or do this. So you actually set it the night before. Yeah, it could be if you want to write it down or um, if you're, for example, if you're training, then it sounds so obvious to say this, like get your kit out and all of that. But it makes such a big difference because I think, mm-hmm. for example, I put my kit out, I put my headphones, I know they've, been, I know I've charged them. I might put, um, I actually put face cream as well, like on top next to them. So I can just put that on and I don't have to kind of, you know, that thing of rummaging around in the morning. You don't want to be looking <laughs> yeah. for things. You don't want any decision yeah. making at that time to think, oh, where's that sports bra or whatever. So putting the stuff out not only makes it so much easier in the morning if you're still half asleep but also I think it's just it's like a commitment as soon as you put that stuff there if you don't get up and do it you've got to kind of put the stuff away you know and like or step over if you put for example lay out a yoga mat lay out a towel lay out a bottle of water something like that and then it's like oh you didn't use it you just got to roll it up and put it away so it's like a visual prompt a visual cue mm. to help reinforce the, the habit or the behavior that you want I love that. I actually heard uh, you said something in an interview and it really I thought it was just really great point. And someone asked you, well, what would you know, what would you advise people who are, you know, the ones that always want to kind of press the snooze or not get out of bed? And you replied saying, I think they need to ask themselves why they don't want to get up. 
Like, what is it in their day that they act, that they're not looking forward to? I'd love for you to talk a bit more about that because I thought it was just such a moment of reflection. Actually, like, are you creating a life that you want to get up for? Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I know there's always nuance, so it's not always super straightforward. You know, life's very complex. But yeah, I challenged myself on that. And I used to think, okay, so imagine something that you're really excited for that's in your diary, you kind of be looking forward to it, versus the things that are on, in your diary that you kind of think, oh, you know what, if that was cancelled, I'd be relieved, or I wouldn't be that bothered, you know. So I look at those things, and there should definitely be, you know, a, a percentage of things you want to do versus things you don't want to do. And then I, I was thinking I was talking about it with my son because we were, we were going to Disneyland Paris for a weekend for the first time. And he was so excited. It was like the, you know, kids, it was the countdown. It was just like nine days till we go. And then it was seven days till we go, you know, that kind of feeling. And of course, you're not going to wake up every single morning as excited as if you're going to Disneyland. However, the way I think about the snooze button is like, imagine the bus is coming along to take you somewhere great, whether it's Disneyland, whether it's a Gucci sample sale, like you name it. Are you thinking, you know what? I'm not going to get on that one. There'll be another one in 10 minutes. And then, oh, I'm not getting on that one. There'll be another one in 10 minutes. That's what I think about the snooze button. You're putting off starting your day. So if it's not, if you're not excited for your day, if there's nothing in your day that you're excited about, take a moment, think on that. And like, you know, as I was saying before, about the small things matter. Maybe it's just reframing in your mind that actually today I'm going to be I don't know, speaking to that person on the phone and that always lifts my mood or today I'm going to be working on this project and I'm really lucky because I have a job and I love my team or, you know, have something that makes you excited to get out of bed. And as I said, I know that, you know, so many challenges this year, it's, I never want it to seem like I'm just like, oh, you know, jump out of bed and be, do a cartwheel. You know, it's like life, we have these ups and downs, and these fluctuations, but I think it's really important to take the time to actually actually focus look at your calendar look at your week ahead is there anything in there that you could circle that's really exciting and if the answer is no you've got to do something about it you've got to pick something and put it in you know what's going to bring you joy this week is it something small is it something big maybe sign up to something maybe start something uh, start a challenge start a, a course I don't know but pick something that gives you a feeling that you yeah you're excited about because life is short and we've got to we've got to create it for ourselves you know I absolutely love that and this ties in to behavior change and habit change and I know this is so up your alley and you're fascinated by kind of all the the psychology behind behavior change but having uh, and ensuring that you have rewards is a key to actually kick-starting um, a behavior change what is your advice for anyone who wants to create a new habit like creating a power hour or any new habit for that matter so I guess when it comes to the, the simple language around it, I often say to people, don't think of your habits as good and bad. I think that's just a narrative that we've all been told, you know, bad habits like snacking on junk food or smoking or back in the day or whatever. Whereas I say to people, I like to think of my habits as useful and non-useful. So a useful habit is taking me closer towards my goal, simple, and a non-useful habit is not. It's taking me away or it's letting me stay stuck. So think about your habits as useful and non-useful. If, if you are someone who likes lists and likes visuals, then write them down. Think of it as like a little Marie Kondo of your, of your habits and your time, which ones are bringing you, giving you more energy than they take and which ones are just, like I said, pulling you down. And we all know what they are. So for example, thinking about how you feel before, during and after 
for example, exercise or scrolling on on social whilst laying on the sofa and what half watching TV, half looking at two things, you know, just having like lots of input from lots of different media, you know, different habits that we all we all have. And so I'd say if you're trying to make a new habit, start off by again being intentional what is the habit why do you want to create it what's the end goal and then something I find really, really useful because I love people I love to be around people is who are the other people in your life or even not in your life just people you can think of that did, that have those habits that create those same behaviors because we all as you know better than anyone probably you know the whole idea of being in the tribe and kind of wanting to fit in and knowing that even if it's subconsciously, we will mimic the behaviors of those around us. So that can be for better or worse. So I'd say for me, it's like, if I know somebody is an avid reader, they read loads of books, they're always recommending books and I want to read more. That's the kind of person I need to be like, okay, what are you reading? What are your tips for getting through loads of books? And start to think of your own identity as, as malleable, you know, don't define yourself as, oh, I'm just I'm just lazy. I'm just lazy. I'm not good at running. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, it starts to define the identity that you want. So if you want to be a runner and that's the identity you want, the habit, what are the habits of a runner? A runner gets up early and puts on their shoes and steps out the door. A runner does this, a runner does that. So start to mimic those behaviors. And even if you don't believe it at first and you feel like a fraud, it doesn't matter because habits, as you know, repetition, 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 before you know it, you're a runner, you know, because you you are actioning those things on, on a daily basis. I love it. It reminds me of a couple of things. First of all, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And second of all, I absolutely love that point that identities are malleable. Like you are what you do rather than you are what you say. You know, we are coming towards the end of the year. And I think it's so easy for us to kind of go, oh, well, because I haven't done it yet, then ugh, I've just and you just kind of give up on yourself Mm. and you're such an amazing like inspiration and motivator to be like no everything is changeable tomorrow is just as important as you know four months ago or whatever and this idea of like everything is malleable it's so liberating to know that we have the capacity to change the, the way we think of our own identity as well, often we, you know, the labels that we give ourselves or that other people give us, some of those labels may have been true for you five years ago or 10 years ago, but maybe they're not anymore. So that's something when it comes to change that I see this kind of resistance of people. It's like, oh, well, you know, I used to be that, or now I'm a mom, or now, you know, I used to be, now I'm a vegan, or this label that means that you have to act or behave in a certain way. When the reality is those things can change too. So I'm always that person who thinks, you know, you know, I'm thinking about myself now labels that I could authentically say are me runner mother podcast host sister friend I don't know you know the list goes on and some of them I think I would say yes that is 100% authentically me and some maybe if I think more about you know my peers um, or at school or my teachers or you know people saying you talk too much or saying that you are easily distracted or I don't know these again labels talkative, whatever. I think some of them we are given and, and, and they are true, but some of them we're given and they're not true. You know, I know people in my family who it's, it's almost like if you've been told your whole life that you're short-tempered or impatient, then you act short-tempered impatient because that's who you are. But actually the reality is sometimes I'm like, you're not short-tempered or impatient at all. Maybe you were when you were little, but you're not anymore. So yeah, I think a bit of a tangent there, but I think when it comes to identities being malleable, again, question like, what is that label? And is it still true today? 
So you've spent months in research for your book, and I really appreciate the level of detail you go into with your research as well, because you always have such like golden nuggets whenever I'm listening um, to your show. What topic do you think fascinated you most? And was it surprising that topic fascinated you, given that obviously you kind of knew what you were going to write uh, when you came to do this book? But as I've experienced, it's amazing what tangents you find yourself on. Yeah, for sure. So great question. I think one was mindset. I've always been interested in mindset in terms of, I think I was quite skeptical along the way. I think I'm quite a data driven person. So what I mean by skeptical was, you know, when people talk about positive affirmations or, you know, creating a future by visualization. And I think I listened to those techniques and tools and kind of thought, "Hmm, okay, but what can I actually do you know so I think through the research that I did for the book and through the conversations that I had and maybe through practicing actually some of the the techniques and the tools and the, the advice given by psychologists and, and and high performance coaches it really shifted my mindset to realize actually Adrienne it, it maybe I didn't even know that I was skeptical and it really like, I guess highlighted that to me that like wow you kind of have a little bit of an eye roll about those things when actually they're really really powerful and really really true so yeah I think going deeper onto that was a real learning for me and I really really enjoyed it I've embraced that and I think for example when I said about the positive affirmations I always used to say you know this idea that I I had this idea in my mind of like a really cheesy American kind of (laughs) life coach you know saying stand in front of the mirror (laughs) and tell yourself that you're beautiful you're amazing and I was like okay if I stand in front of the mirror and say I'm taller. I'm taller. And I do that for a year. Am I going to grow taller? Probably not. So I was always skeptical. But what I realized through the process and through the research and the reading and the practice was that actually it's not about, you know, we know the difference between truth and false and reality. And we know what's true and what isn't. It's not about trying to convince yourself of something that isn't true. Mm. It's actually about directing your attention and your focus towards something positive rather than something negative. So a bad example, probably saying, oh, am I taller? But actually, I think focusing on, you know, the positive affirmation, saying words that empower you, saying words that make you I now when I'm thinking about the day ahead, I think about the energy. I'm obsessed with this, like, you know, energy, energy, energy. And I'll say to myself almost, what's the energy you need to have today? Because in some situations, yeah, high energy is great. In other situations, it's like I need to be calm and focused. And and sometimes if I'm going to speak, I need to be courageous or, you know, so I'll now think of it in that way. So when I think about positive affirmations and how powerful our words are, the words that we say about ourselves and the words that we say to ourselves, just those words like I'm courageous or I can endure, I know I can endure, I can endure a five mile run, I can endure a difficult conversation, I can endure feeling nervous in an interview, I can endure even just those, those words that is so, so powerful. So that was something that I've, I've taken away myself to kind of go, Adrian, don't be skeptical of, of these things, they really work. What sort of affirmations would you start your day with, for example? Well, the courage one is is definitely one that comes up a lot. If it's something that I feel is out of my depth or out of my reach, I think we all have it where maybe from the outside, if you're confident and extroverted, people assume that that means that you don't feel nervous or you don't doubt yourself or you don't ever feel rubbish. But it's not true. We all have those feelings. So for me, courage is one because I say to myself, like, for example, sharing the book, you know, I'm like, it takes courage Mm. to put yourself out to the world it takes courage to commit your words to paper it takes courage to host a podcast and 
you know, put your ideas out there. It takes courage to reach out to people who've never, you've never met and ask them and if you could interview them, it takes courage. So it's okay to feel, you know, imposter syndrome or feel nervous or feel anything. But I think courage is something I come back to a lot. I'm like, Adrienne, this takes courage. You can do hard things. Courage is such a um, under-discussed feeling in a way, isn't it? And I think it's so easy for us to lose our courage as well and let fear take over. And especially when the world feels as kind of crazy as it has done in recent months, you know, it's finding that kind of like inner sense of strength in times where things, you know, haven't appeared like they are going that well where have you found that last bit of juice that you've needed just to kind of get through it and and on to brighter days that's a really great question especially because I know that as I'm someone who's very optimistic and energetic I think people maybe yeah again don't necessarily hear me talk so much about the more difficult and challenging times in my life and there have been many trust me I think that's what's made me so resilient and optimistic because I think wow if you can get through those days you can do anything so I think what gets me through the most challenging times is probably probably a feeling of extreme ownership and now this is quite a sometimes unpopular opinion people you know they don't like this idea that well it's all on you and it's you know you should reach out and help and support which is true you know there are people to help and support you and you should should embrace that but what I mean by extreme ownership is kind of saying well I never want to surrender to the idea that these things are not my fault. These circumstances mean that I can't do X, Y, and Z. For example, being a woman, let's start there, then being a woman of colour, then being from a single parent household or low income family, or from not having a university degree. There's all these things that you could say, okay, this circumstance means that I am limited because of X, Y, and Z. And we can all do it. We can all find those things. We all have circumstances. Nobody is exempt from adversity in this world, unfortunately. But I truly believe that our circumstances are not the reasons that we can or can't achieve. They're just simply the parameters in which we must. So the way I see it, if it's difficult, is to take extreme ownership and go, okay, Jen, you have agency. What can you do? What can you make happen? Who can you help? Who can help you? What can you do to move forwards? Because you can either focus on the past circumstance or the situation, or you can focus on creating better for the future, but you can't do both. So you have to make a choice. Wow, I've got shivers. This kind of leads me on to discussing the 20s. I feel like the 20s and I've just turned 30 and I just look back at the last 10 years and I'm like, oh God, it was, it felt like going through, I'm not sure you ever watched Gladiators, but you know, that kind of like assault ring when you've got to get, you just like, you know, one person after a next and then you're like bashed off the course and you're like crawling back on and often you know I'm sure a lot of people look at you and as you said a lot of people would assume you haven't had one hard time because you are so energetic and you're so positive and optimistic and think oh you you were just an overnight success like oh look at her now she's killing it but actually you've had such a variety um, of things that you've done you know and you've really earned your incredible success but I would love to kind of find out about your 20s like how did they start how did they change and how did you manage the twists and turns 
essentially my 20s when you said how did it start as you're, you're right it started I was a professional dancer and I was in the West End at the time when early 20s I was in a musical on Tottenham Court Road at the Dominion Theatre called We Will Rock You it's the Queen musical so I'm sure many people will have heard of it or maybe even seen it so I was there for two years and uh, during the time that I was in the musical I got married and I also got pregnant and my son and yeah I guess really if I think back to that point in my life I probably felt like for one of the first times ever in my life that I was like wow like I'm really happy and I've got so many things going right now you know like I'm in this amazing musical and yeah like I said newly wed and newly pregnant I was just like 22 at this point 22 yeah and I was just like wow like this is great you know living my best life um but life is unpredictable as you know so yeah my husband at the time became really ill just suddenly overnight he had no previous health conditions he was a healthy PE teacher fit and strong training for the London Marathon just you know picture of health Uh, but he had a spontaneous brain hemorrhage in the middle of the night and he had a seizure and we went off in an ambulance to hospital and as I said I was pregnant at the time 19 weeks pregnant And our whole life changed. So, you know, the rug was just pulled from under our feet, really. It was kind of, we didn't know what caused it. The the brain hemorrhage, he developed epilepsy as a result of it and he couldn't work. So yeah, he was, once he came home after two weeks in a neurology ward, it was like, well, what's, what now? Like, what does the next steps look like? You know, when you've got a baby on the way and you both suddenly not working because I had to leave the show. Uh, Yeah, I left the show and kind of said, see you tomorrow to the cast and then never went back. Um, I couldn't, you know, at the time, yeah, even think of leaving Robert home on his own because of the seizures. So, yeah, it was a real, real shift and change of pace. And I think it certainly wasn't an overnight story of like, you know, that I did start running after my son was born. I started running and I started to, you know, create content online and kind of write, a, you know, just writing a blog and started personal training, etc. But it wasn't like a overnight, like, let me just grab my trainers and, you know, run and suddenly everything will be better. It wasn't like that at all. It was slow incremental and I look back now it was it was honestly probably it was it was probably the darkest most challenging time of my life as you can imagine you know having my son was born obviously you're a first time mum you're up in the night you're breastfeeding you're managing this whole new identity again of you know the self and becoming a mother alongside yeah my husband and his change in identity and and him getting to grips with having epilepsy and I think what that diagnosis meant for his identity and self-esteem and there's so many things in there and so many I guess uncontrollables like you know with the situation now I think that's what's been so challenging for so many people is uncontrollables not knowing this kind of uncertainty it's just not it, it doesn't feel good right and so that's how I felt then I felt like this came out of nowhere doctors didn't really give us a reason or and I think that uncertainty was really hard to kind of forge a path forwards and to stay positive. You know, as you said, I'm so positive now. And I think when you're in a really difficult situation, it's not helpful always for someone to be like, look on the bright side. You know, you just sometimes have to be like, wow, this is actually really hard. But again, with the ownership piece, it was kind of like, well, what's the next step? You know, what can I do? And it doesn't have to all happen tomorrow, but what are the things? So as I said, I've retrained to become a personal trainer. I then started like a local boot camp with like 20 mums that used to come to my class and started to yeah, read more and write more. And I think I just was like, okay, let me just do, you know, let me just take some actions, do some things and see, see where it goes, be open-minded. And yeah, started running. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever run more than a 200 meter sprint when I first started going out on the road thinking, okay, let me, this running thing is supposed to be great. Let me give that a go. Little did I know back then that it would essentially 
be this vehicle that would you know take me around the world I've now run races in countries or places I never could have even imagined that I would get to visit South Africa San Francisco you know Barbados all these places working with brands you know all these opportunities that later on down the line essentially came from running and came from that time in my life when I was like I need to run away I need to get out of the house and have like you know an escape and an outlet but yeah that was probably the most challenging time of my entire life right then. So, I mean, what some of the themes that really stand out for me is the fact that, you know, you went into service in a way, you in the sense that you were like, right, I'm going to help these mums who were coming to you saying, like, can you help us kind of like get fitter or whatever? And actually it was it was you helping other people that actually was helping you. And it's such, I thought, strong point for kind of when we are in adversity, it is often the things that we start doing for other people that actually gets us out of that situation. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I probably thought of it like that at the time. I think I was just like, let me be resourceful. I need to start working. But actually, you're right, you know, doing something where you have to show up and encourage others. You know, I always say that everyone's got, you know, their their superpower. And my son is obsessed with Avengers and super superheroes and stuff. So I always say that we, we can be superhuman. And my superpower is, is encouragement. I can encourage anyone and everyone. So I guess, yeah, starting there. But also, if I look back to, you know, another question was about 20s, is that when I say that now I started a boot camp with 20 people it's not really a big deal it's not that exciting it's not that kind of wow moment you know whereas I think now when people start things I talked about this recently on, on my podcast was like you know it has to be grand it has to be you know a million followers or this many thousands of downloads or whatever but actually I started with a boot camp with 20 women and I, and I actually advertised to a thousand I think I got a thousand flyers printed and literally gave them out but 20 that's where I started so sometimes I think you know you you mentioned at the start about overnight success and people seeing just the top tip of the iceberg and thinking like oh wow good for you but you know nine years ago 20 people that was I was I was so happy I was like yes 20 people are coming to show up to to take my class so yeah I think if you are starting something or if you're thinking of starting something it's not about leveling down your expectation or saying that, you know, don't aim for, for, you know, have big audacious goals. I certainly do, but just start. And if it's five people or 50 or, you know, and I have to remind myself of that copy with the book coming out and there is that pressure, right. That probably we put on ourselves and other people put yeah. on us to suddenly think, Oh my gosh, how many, you know, how many can set copies or how many people are going to be talking about the book or whatever. When actually it's like, I've got to, I'm going to keep reminding myself of that. It's like, if 20 people buy the book and 20 people say, wow, something in this book, you know, resonated and caused me to take action in my life, then that's what I need to focus on instead of thinking, yeah, how many, I don't know, like, everything's got charts now, you know, and Amazon charts and this charts and that charts. And uh, gosh, it's, it's overwhelming when you think about. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's, I kind of feel like one of the things I really don't like about social media is the fact that it's put a number. And when Instagram said they were going to take away those numbers against likes, I honestly jumped for joy because we shouldn't be equating our success always to a numerical value that you know how much enjoyment those 20 women gave you was enormous at that moment in time but we are now becoming more conditioned and it's really difficult to like separate yourself from it so like I'm really appreciating what you've just said right now because I've you know even you know I, I know all of this stuff kind of like intellectually or whatever but it's really easy to 
fall back into caring about numbers rather than impact or enjoyment or you know actually how much how meaningful it was for you and stuff like that have you always been really ambitious in terms of like I want to live this sort of life or have you just continued to work and it's just unfolded and all of these things have just happened and you're like wow I guess probably a bit of both I think I've always been ambitious for lots of reasons but I think mainly because of as I described you know growing up I just always had this idea that you know what Adrienne if you want to do it you got to make it happen. You know, you've got, to, I think I learned at a very young age that, you know, meritocracy doesn't exist, you know, Disney stuff, it's not real. You know, it's like really, not in like a bitter way, you know, I don't have a chip on my shoulder, but I just feel like I was maybe 12 years old when I realized that. And some people say to me, they were 25 when they realized that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I grew up with this idea that, and also I guess as well, I don't know, it's quite difficult to say this, but I'm sure my mum isn't going to listen to this podcast. But I think if I'm really, really honest with you, Poppy, I think, I saw my mum's situation and I, I think it was quite helpless. You're quite hopeless in a way that I feel like she didn't have agency. She didn't have power. She didn't have confidence. She didn't have finances. She didn't have the, the, the things to be able to make change in her life. So I think maybe from, like I said, being 12 years old and witnessing that, I probably thought, you know what, if I want to, it sounds, again, it sounds, I don't want to say it like this as in like, I don't want to be like her but I just didn't want to be in that situation so I think yeah that probably did spark something inside of me and you know what I mean saying it's hard to say that I don't want it to sound like I'm criticizing her it's, yeah. it's not, it wasn't that I just think I grew up with a real visual representation of like yeah not wanting to have a feeling of hopelessness and, and powerlessness and thinking actually you have to have agency you have to make things happen and yeah I guess maybe that sparked my ambition to think bigger go for it someone's gonna maybe it was naivety as well like when you're young like 15 I think I was just like well someone's gonna be in the West End so why not me you know someone's gonna and I still sometimes think that I'm like someone's gotta I don't know interview that person why not you so I think sometimes ignorance is bliss um, when it comes to having big goals so you coach you obviously speak to you know millions of people through all your different kind of outlets what do you um, hear in feedback most when it comes to the blocks in people's life? Like, what do you think is the main blocks uh, to preventing people from living their greatest life? Common things that come up is overwhelm and time. I think people say, you know, I'd love to do all those things. And, and then they don't necessarily think that they're not prioritizing themselves, but it's just like, well, it's just, you know, there's too many things, you know, I've got a, I've got a job and I've got kids and I've got all this. And, you know, I couldn't possibly do all of those other things as well. You know, it's like, yeah, all very well, create a life that you love and find your passion and purpose, but I don't have time. So, you know, time is something that I think we're all, you know, this, this busyness, like what is busyness? Why has it become a badge of honor to be busy? What does that mean? And again, I challenge myself when I was writing the book to question that in myself because I always say like yeah I thrive in doing I thrive in being busy so I looked at that and I thought what does it mean to you if you're not busy does that mean that you think you're not in demand or you're not relevant or you're not I don't know likable like what does it mean if you're not busy but actually I've flipped it around I'm like being busy means you are just running around you know you're doing all these things for everyone on everyone else's schedule that is not something to be celebrated so I think when people's biggest challenge if people's biggest challenge is that they feel like they don't have time again coming back to the idea of reclaim your time like take an hour in the morning or in the afternoon or at the weekend I don't care when it is if you want to move your power hour then do it but you owe it to yourself to say if I'm too busy living this life that I've created to actually create a life that I love 
then what are we doing? You know, what are we actually doing? And I don't want to go all philosophical and deep, but we're going to be on this planet for a finite amount of years. This is it. So if we're always working towards something, but we're not actually living it, then soon it's going to be done. So yeah, I think, <laughs> again, like it's quite a you know, big concept to kind of think about in terms of, you know, our entire life and mortality and all of that. But yeah, I think that's something that if time is the issue, then you've got to make some changes. Yeah, I love it. It's very stoic. I think it's, it is, it's like it, having that reflection. I think it does get, it, again, it's about the motivation to be able to say no, especially as well when it comes to busy, because I definitely fully relate to that being a block for many people, including myself. To go back to kind of, you know, you are the vision of health. Um, your Instagram is great. And I'll put all these links um, in, in the show notes and you exercise. In terms of supplementation, mm. what's your thoughts on that? And do you take any? Well, yes. I mean, I know that we talked before about uh, Swiss and the brand and regardless of the fact I have previously partnered with them. So I don't want people to think that I have this, you know, this bias because they are the supplements that I basically now are, uh, you know, including in my daily routine, which is the B vitamin. And basically, I've always thought, you know, like diet's really important. I eat a varied diet. I love to cook and, and I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I can buy fresh produce. So I thought, well, if I'm eating a varied diet, do I really need supplements? And then uh, when I started taking the Swiss B supplement, it says on it like energy B plus. And I think I'd heard on another podcast talking about uh, the gut microbiome and also our mitochondria and saying how essential B vitamins are. And honestly, after one month, I was like, wow, I was sold because basically the thing I noticed the most was I didn't have, I usually have quite a fluctuation. I track my cycle because I know when I'm going to have like my power week and when I'm going to have my like hell week and my hell week was just reduced. I just had a normal week. I didn't feel that kind of energy slump that I sometimes get at the end of my cycle. I didn't feel the kind of irritability and the fatigue and the brain fog. I just felt normal. And I was like, wow, this has really made a difference. So I just, now I, that's it. That is it. I'm not going back. So yeah, the B vitamin is the supplement that I swear by uh, what about magnesium and stuff like that do you kind of include that in your yes yeah, so I've taken magnesium supplement before and I also have the magnesium flakes in the bath because being a runner mm. I don't know whether it's a placebo effect but I'm like help my muscles recover help me sleep better and I know that magnesium yeah promotes you know recovery so yeah I definitely have included that when I'm training more that's when I'm really prioritized magnesium what is your um kind of morning routine in terms of coffee tea if you take any supplements like what is on your kind of breakfast uh, kitchen table well you know I think we maybe talked about the intermittent fasting thing and um, which is very popular right now and again very divisive and I'm not necessarily a huge advocate for or against but for me personally I am up at half five. I do my power hour. I might go for a run. I might be stretching, doing my thing. Then I spend time with my son, get him to school, come back. And that's usually when I then break the fast, if you like. So it's often like, sometimes it's 10. And if I've been up since half five, you know, that's, it's a little bit of time before that. But yeah, usually I I'll have a banana. I have almond butter because I just, mm. oh my gosh, it's like joy every day. <laughs> yeah, so banana and almond butter. Um, and sometimes juice. I've been getting into, it's one of those things where one of my juices out on the side, I'm like, oh, let me juice everything. Carrots, ginger, beet, everything. Um, but if I put it away in the cupboard, I don't use it for six months. So yeah, juicing a little bit. Um, but I'm not super strict with, you know, the same thing. Again, with the seasonality, it changes so sometimes I'm like oh porridge for a month and then I don't have porridge again for a year so yeah just mix and match totally I'm I so good with the fads um well I would love to finish this interview with finish the sentence round where Ooh. I begin a sentence and then if you could end it that would be great okay great 
Before I go to sleep, I... Read. My first thought in the morning is... I'm grateful to not have pain. My mantra for life is... You can do hard things. Life is good because... We're here, we're living it. When I feel frustrated, I... Sing really loudly along to Hamilton the Musical. (laughs) If you really knew me, you would know. That I love popcorn and nut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. This was, I can't tell you, such a delightful interview. I've loved every second of it and I will put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me, Poppy. Honestly, it's kind of strange to be on the other side of the mic. I now feel like I want to ask you loads of questions. I'm like, oh, I've just <laughs> talked about myself for a whole hour. How, how strange. I'm usually the host. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.